Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. Joining me this, this week are podcast regulars Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hiya chaps. Good morning. Hello, And we are delighted to welcome a very special guest to the show, a man that holds the record for the most number of promotions. He's a former Argyle manager with almost 1,500 games in management. A warm welcome to Neil Warnock. Yeah, good morning lads. How are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, relaxed and no pressure. <laughs> No, absolutely not. How have you been, Neil? What have you been up to since uh, since leaving Cardiff? Um, just just relaxing, really. I've been seeing the family all over the place. Um, Are you back in Cornwall now? Yeah, back in Cornwall now, and enjoying it as well. Fed the ducks this morning. So <laughs> it's all right this morning. Absolutely. What do the, the ducks eat? It's a dried food, yeah. um, and, and um, uh, like a pellet type mm. of thing. So, uh, but then I know them individually now. Yeah. Like, so I talk to them all the time. You know, have they all got names? When I was at QPR, <laughs> it used to be the deer in the in the Richmond Park. I used to talk to. <laughs> now it's the ducks. <laughs> I mean, and, and you've been in Cornwall ever since you were our days, haven't you? Yeah, you've we've never been, left. You know. No, never. I mean, Sharon and I loved it. We came across here. We kept, we saw Dan McCauley and. Uh, we came across to a couple of games when I was at Torquay actually mm-hmm. and we loved the area and we thought you know that's why I had a chance to go to Derby County when Dan McCauley asked me to come to Plymouth and everybody thought I was a nutcase really for turning Derby County down <laughs> and coming to Plymouth but it, it was everything about Cornwall and the Plymouth it was yeah. uh, Devon and Cornwall's always been special so um, that's it's why it's a great place to live isn't it yeah so, uh, absolutely um, and you still have a retain that fondness for Argyle as well, don't you, Neil? You're often seen at home park. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever we can, whenever I can get down, we, uh, we come. It's. Uh, I mean, I was very lucky to come a couple of weeks ago when the new stand opened. I mean, what a marvelous achievement that is, isn't it? Um, I think it's. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a great step forward for the um, for the you know for the club in, in general. Uh, it was a fantastic day. Fifteen thousand people yeah. at home park. Uh, playing the league leaders, the result didn't go Argyle's way, um, but uh, Simon Hallett, the Argyle chairman, has done a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic job. He's, he's pumped so much money into the football club. Um, I don't know. Have you met Simon? Yes, I, I met him at the when at the game, and uh, I just think he, you know, he's got his head screwed on. He knows what he wants. Um, it, it, it's one of those clubs, I think, that's when you've been down there. I always brought the teams to play down in this part of the country pre-season, wherever I've been, because you get neglected a bit down here. Mm. You're on a bit of a limb, and you know, I, I, even the Premier League sides I brought down here. So it's mm. it's it's one of those things that Plymouth could easily become one of those. It's always been, you know, um, there's a lot of potential. Everybody used to use the word <laughs> potential every five minutes. I think you're banned from using it. Yeah, it's never been fulfilled. But it's the it's the yeah. it's the whole setup. You've got to have the proper. Um, foundations and I do feel the foundations are there now with the new stadium um, they've always had the fans the, the, the fans will you know uh, as they go up the leagues they will get bigger and bigger because that's how the Green Army are 
and uh, I think with Simon in, in charge, it's a very, very encouraging and, and you know really exciting period at the club now. He's pumped a lot of money into the club. He's supporting the manager. Uh, they're never going to go and spend millions of pounds on transfer fees, but I think he's supported the manager. The infrastructure at the mm. club is good. The new grandstand. I mean, it all looks as if everything's in place. It's just the, the team and the results on the pitch now. That's the that's the hard part, isn't it? It is. That's the hard part. But I think I think the structure is vital. Mm. Um, I don't. If I'm honest, I don't think you've ever been ready. I think that new new stand and what they've done over the last few years with the other parts of the ground, I just think it's geared up now. It's geared up for you know championship football, stroke premiership, and there's no reason now in the next you know ten years in my lifetime that we don't see them up in the premiership because it's it's you know you can't buy fans, which we have uh, you know the green army is in abundance really. You can't buy stadiums, uh, the areas you know there's no competition as such. Um, you know, so I think it's I think it's really really promising time for the club now. I mean, when you're out and about in Cornwall, I mean, obviously Argyle draw fans from Plymouth and Devon, but when you're out and about in Cornwall, you must see loads of Argyle fans because there's lots down in, in that part of the world, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I remember when I was at Argyle, we went we played Hartlepool away, and there's a, there was an, an iron big iron gate there where, and we arrived there. We were going into the changing room, and a guy shouted me, Neil, could you come and sign an autograph? And I said, of course I can. Yeah, he had a green white scarf and he had a young boy with him only a very young boy so I went over to the gate and put my hand through the gate and signed his autograph book and he said to, I said to him uh, good travel good day eh? have you enjoyed traveling he said yeah I said what time he said yeah we've come from uh, Cornwall I said what time have you did you set off about you know six o'clock seven o'clock he says no two o'clock in the morning <laughs> we come from St Ives or somewhere I thought oh my goodness Jeez. I mean that's how daft it is isn't it the Green Army travel yeah. from St Ives to Hartlepool and, and that's how they are they were amazing yeah. fans yeah. Um, talking as Chris said there the, the, the important thing for our guard is to, is to get up out of League 2 now um, an excellent win at Stevenage at the weekend they seem to be going in the right direction though yeah, they're horrible games when you play the bottom of the league sides. You're expected to win expectations and everything else, but these games are all about winning. doesn't matter how you play. Uh, you, you know, It's all about getting the points on board. From what I've seen in the league, the only people that can beat Argyle is Argyle themselves. That's how I look at it. You know, I think they've got all the gear. I think Ryan's a, a super young manager. Um, I think the players play it the right way. Possibly may have to have a sort of a, um, a, another string to the bows at times in certain games, but uh, you know I, I just feel that the, the, everything's done in the right way. The attitude and you know, really good, and I can't I can't see anything but going up, mate. I think they're going to get stronger as the season goes on, mate. How easy is it to keep players' feet on the ground? Feet on the ground at this sort of time of the season. Do people look at the tables? I know managers often say they don't look at the tables, but is that in the thinking somewhere? Um, I don't think you look at the tables more than three or four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you do say to everybody that asks you, I never yeah. look at the table. I never think about the table, all the fixtures. It's just the managers. That's how we are, isn't it? We don't give anything away in that mm. respect. But players as well, they're always looking, they're always looking to see where they are. And uh, it's nice to see them coming up now. You know, they didn't have a great start and a little bit like ourselves. You know, we lost the first five games when I was here, and, and uh, everybody were panicking. And uh, and then uh, you know, Mickey Evans coming and Blackie. I brought Blackie back in the goals, and we got to bury and win five. And then we never looked back really. So 
I think the same thing here. They, you know, they play an entertaining game, um, and and uh, I, I just don't see any reason why they don't go up. Probably the, the crowds that they'll get towards the end of the season, you know, that the Argyle fans themselves will not have to get too uh, impatient um, because it, you know you don't we don't want to put any more pressure on the players than there already is to get results. So I think the Argyle fans will play a big part as well. When it gets to this stage of the season, what's important from Ryan, for Ryan Lowe and the players to get over the line? What sort of advice would you give them? Um, I, th I think from a point of view of the manager, you, you know which one, the lads who are nervous, the lads who in training, you get a good feeling in training. Most of your work's done in the training ground, um, talking to players and getting the vibes back from, from situations. You've got hunches in your, your mind about what you'd like to do and you, you, you want it reiterating on the training ground really. From the player, you know, you try and keep the lads who are nervous types a, a little bit more confident and, uh, and likewise the expectations, you try and play them down at, not just to the fans but to the chairman and directors and everybody else. You just try and keep the expectations down a little bit um, so that people don't get carried away. Uh, sorry, on. As I say, you, you mentioned that you think Argyle can get to the Premier League at, at some point. Uh, Matthew Penny, one of our listeners, said, "Where do you see Argyle in five to ten years' time? The championship? Do you think minimum in that, in that time?" I think, I think, I think to, to be an established Championship side is, is very, you know, really, really within the realms now. And I'm not sure the stadium and it was geared up for the Championship on a regular basis until these, these, in, you know, the new stand and everything else. Now the facilities are fabulous now. Um, you know, I'm looking forward. I'll probably do a, a dinner down there one mm. night. I think yeah. because I looked in the room and I thought, wow, it's, it's a good, a good, a, good atmosphere, Chris, mm. isn't it? Yeah, really and you nice. need yeah. you need your evenings with you know mm. to you need to generate funds, etc. Um, not just on on a Saturday. So you know, it's got this. It can look after itself now, and I, I think uh, you know, they, as long as they're careful and they don't go stupid. And I don't think Simon will. Um, I don't think Ryan would want to either. Um, you know, you get carried away sometimes. The owners get carried away, and they, and they try and jump, bef you know, run before they can, you know, walk properly. And it's it's just one of those things. To uh, I don't see that down here. I just talking to Simon and everybody else. I just think there's a lot of common sense down here, and that's what it's got to be. You know, it it, it hasn't got to be. Um, let's gamble on anything. They're doing it in the right way, I think, with, with the, the foundations. Uh, let's talk about you for a bit, Neil. Um, as I say, eight promotions, nearly 1,500 games in management. When did you know you wanted to go into football management, or was it something that you sort of stumbled across, really? Um, when I knew that I couldn't get to the top as a player, I was just an average player. Uh, I, although I made 300 and odd games in the league, uh, I was a, a winger. Uh, a brainless winger. Uh, one of those infuriating wingers <laughs> yeah, that we see. I was a bit like <laughs> a, <laughs> a, as a manager But that's why, as a as a, as a brainless winger, that's why I always I love having wingers in my team. Mm. I love the excitement of a winger mm. picking a ball up, and then you know I look like the lad James at Man United. Now mm. when he picks the ball, I think, wow, go go go, and that's what I love in my teams. I've always liked wingers, and I don't give them. Any, I don't give as much criticism as a lot of managers <laughs> because you know because they pull out of tackles here and there they easily get criticised. But I, I do end, I do love wingers. Um, but I wasn't I was I wasn't um, uh, you know they used to say open the gates at Rotherham and I'd run out uh, <laughs> when I got the ball. Um, but I, I, like I said, three hundred odd games. But I knew I wasn't going to be 
um, a manager, uh, a player at the top level, and I enjoyed managing then. I, I, I ran a Sunday league team. I used to um, collect the 50p subs, or it was 10 bob in them days, I think, and take the washing down to the laundry on a Sunday after the game. Uh, occasionally clear snow off the lines to get a game on. I did all that stuff, you know, and uh, we, we, j we looked after ourselves. And then, I, you know, got, I went to non-league at Gainsborough and started in. I thought, I've got to do it the hard way, you know. I, I wasn't gifted with a, a, a big name that played for his country or anything like that. So I, I remember my first job, I went to, a, a, I had a lad at Barnsley called Les Harris who played for Gainsborough. And uh, he told me that they were after a manager. And so I thought, right, I'll go and see Les play. And they were playing at Goul. And Goul were after a manager as well. So I thought, I've got two chances. <laughs> and uh, I waited after the games and I saw the chairman at Gainsborough coming out and I just introduced myself. And I said, uh, you know, I'd be very interested in, uh, in talking to you at some stage. And I got a phone call the next week and went down to see Gainsborough. And that's how I got my first job, really. Um, six months there and then... I moved over to Burton because I'd, I'd played at Burton with Ben Robinson and uh, he's still there now Ben and it was a fabulous club to, to learn to have a chairman like that who was so supportive um, that that really gave me that stability to go on to do the things I've done really and, and learn that you as a manager you, you, you know if people say what advice can you give young managers I always say try and get a good chairman uh, the few and far between nowadays it's uh, but if you get a good chairman, you've got a hell of a chance. And obviously, you've, you've been in managerial jobs for a fair while now. What's the biggest changes that you've seen? That's a question from Richard Sloman since you've been in management. Yeah, I think I think it's came with Wenger. I think Arsene Wenger brought brought so many a new dimension to the game when he came in. Um, he, uh, he the technology that he brought in was unheard of. The nutritionist and things about your diet and what to do and what you can't do. Um, the fitness programs he changed he changed people's lives at that time people that you could never envisage playing changing you know you when you look at your Tony Adams and and, and, and that sort of caliber of player um, he taught them a new way around it and and I think it, education and, and then everybody took that on board because you're always learning as a manager so you know it was it was really I think Wenger, Wenger, Wenger's introduction was you know the, the main thing. I remember Wenger. It was fu the funny, one of the funniest things for me. He was a big lad, Wenger. He was six foot bloody harder than that. I used to. We we played for Arsenal in the uh, in my thousandth game, which was a tremendous occasion for me at the Emirates. And uh, we were stood in the halfway line before the game in the centre circle, Arsenal, and just Arsenal and me. And I was looking up to him because he's so big. <laughs> and uh, and I looked at him and I said, look look at the dugouts, Arsenal. I said, you'll not hear me today. They were about 50 yards apart <laughs> the dugout. And he never said a word, and he looked at one dugout, and then looked across slowly at the other dugout, and then looked down at me, and he said, Neil, you will find a way. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but uh, I thought, I do think he did more, more for an English game than anybody else. Do, do you actually remember that moment when you looked at uh, Arsene Wenger then and thought, I'm going to do what certain things that he did, and... Oh, you have to do. your own managerial style. No, you have to do, yeah, because because what he brought to the to the team was an advantage to that. And managers, and it will be the same in the next twenty years. If you can get an advantage from something that you do in training, uh, then you do so. And and he he gave me and you know my staff obviously things to learn at that time, and we took that on board. 
a little a little bit different nowadays with um, I'm not so sure about people that the, the managers with clip charts in in the hands on the touchline and things like that you know I think um, you can have a Warwick University given degrees now in football management but believe you you know it's still 90% football management is man management mm. getting the best out of the group you've got and that's the same if you're managing in a Sunday league coaches you know coaches now they, they write down I'm going to do A move on to B C and finish at D but if you can't get A correct you don't move on to B the, the art of coaching is when you finish a session have they improved and so you can't plan things like you know other people. It makes me laugh when I look at coaches and what they've got to do. It's you know it's still man management is the is the majority. Does it? Do you look at it and think, oh, I wouldn't want to go into management now? If you were, well, it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult for for managers nowadays. Um, when I first started, I used to say, you know, take me three or four years. I, I want to build something here, which you can't. You yeah. know? I mean, I was fortunate, Burton. Um, Sheffield United. I had seven years at Sheffield United. You know, I, I had the opportunity to build things, but nowadays, you you know, whereas you had, you ask for three or four um, games, uh, three or four years, you you get three or four games now yeah. at times, or three or four months. It's so difficult now. The media, you know, there were no. I think it was at Sheffield where it started the first phoning. I think it was called it football heaven. Heaven knows why. Um, but you know, the first one of the first calls when I went on that. You know, the guy said, um, having a go at something tactically wise, and I, I heard him. And um, they said to the guy, uh, did you go down to the game today? He said, no, oh, no, no. I, I thought, how can you criticize, you know, yeah. I thought, well, if that's what it's going to be now, you can criticize the manager, but not been to the game. And so the, the, the social media side has made it far more difficult now for managers. I don't, I don't envy that side. Also, you had your local journalists, I used to take them on the bus with me and talk to them on the way back and things like that and you knew that if you said off the record it was off the record now you get a lot of young journalists coming into the game now just looking for headlines with the red tabloids and you know you've got editors that put a headline without you know when you look at the story nothing to do with the story so it's far more difficult for managers now in, in that side and the multimedia that's the coverage and what have you so it's um, like I said I don't envy them but you know I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed I've had some good friends as journalists as well you know and you you know the ones you could tell them anything and there's still half a dozen of them now that I can I always say to you you know um, off the record and they all laugh at me when I speak to these lads because that's how it used to be yeah absolutely uh, has there ever been a chance of you returning to Argyle over the years either as a manager or maybe in a director of football role um, yeah I think I think there was a couple of times um, the, the, the opportunity I thought about it because I've been retiring now for about 20 years <laughs> uh, Sharon you know, she says how many more times so, but I, th I had a chat with James when James Brent was here James, I, I like James and I had a chat with him because I thought I could help at the time I thought I could do a couple of days a week and give a bit of advice to the manager etc and take a bit off the work because the, the biggest problem not the biggest problem, but I think that there's not a lot of help between a manager and a chairman or the board at times. And it, it is helpful, I think, to have somebody that knows, that's been around in that area, that's not threatening your job, that don't want yeah. your job. Um, but when I, when I spoke to James about doing a couple of days a week, I think he talked to Martin uh, Starnes, who was there at the time, 
and they didn't, he didn't think it, Martin didn't think it was a good idea he thought that the, the manager would think that me being above him would put a lot of pressure on him which which really I thought was rubbish uh, I would have quite enjoyed you know helping out at that time but uh, it wasn't to be and, uh, and I'm really grateful for Martin Starnes really because I've had three great years at Cardiff <laughs> since then absolutely uh, you know being promoted and uh, it took you know it really lifted the club off the floor really uh, so I've, I've really enjoyed that so I probably owe all that to Martin <laughs> and it's interesting you say about director of football now, <coughs> Ryan Lowe has recently appointed director of football in Neil Dewson who used to be the head of the academy at Everton and worked for the England uh, under 17 and under 20s team so he's taken on that that exact what you've just said that's something that's not there to be a future manager but has been around football a lot so it's interesting you you say that you think the director of football is a good I do I think I think it's an important part now because I think all the managers need a little bit of help now um, without having to go straight to the board you know they need a buffer at times and because uh, it's, it's it is a big time it's a it, you know it's, it's a massive thing now isn't it mm. in each town now when i first started at the herald many years ago one of the first games i saw at home park was the playoff semi-final between argyle and colchester and i was stood on the old mayflower terrace with uh, quite a few of the herald journalists <laughs> at the time and um, i remember you being sent off Neil, in the in the second leg oh, i lost the first leg uh, one nil at layer road the second leg was back at home park Neil, you were sent off and you ended up climbing over the fence and standing in the Mayflower Terrace with, with all of the fans. I mean, it's a few years ago, I'm afraid now, but what do you recall of that night? I mean, the atmosphere that night was amazing when the winning goal went in, the place went nuts. Yeah, I mean, what, what a night that was. Uh, it was, I, I, I'll tell you how I remember it now. I was clearing things out. I have to clear things out at the house and the garage and everything. And, uh, and I found a box of my books, uh, what Rick Cowdery yes. told me right. Neil Warnock's uh, Wembley Way. Wembley Way, yeah. It, yeah. And there's a picture of me in the crowd mm -hmm. uh, in that game when I got sent off. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just brought back so many memories, that. Um, so I, it was uh, one of those things, it was, it was so, I was, you know, so hurtful. Um, we came back, we, I thought we should have got a result over there. We came back and then, I thought a lad should have got sent off. He brought Eddie Little down, John down. Should have got sent off. Didn't get sent off. And then the same lad went and equalised, which I thought was criminal. You can tell. Yeah. Well, and, can tell. and then, um, so there was all sorts building up. And, uh, and it, you know, that's how it worked. Just got to me a little bit. And uh, I'm not, I've never changed really since. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't believe you got sent off, Neil. Uh, <laughs> I'm on first names now. But you were literally stood at the front of the Mayflower Terrace, weren't you, surrounded yeah. by all the fans? Just jumped over. I mean, I, I don't think you'd be allowed to do that. No, I'm sure you didn't. You'd have to be escorted up. But I, ne I just, I never give it a thought. Mm. I knew that the referee was, I think it was from Sheffield. Mm. And uh, I remember just jumping straight over. I said, all right, I'll go with the fans then. <laughs> and uh, stood, stood up on the side back with the fans. It was, uh, and to see Charlie score the winner, I mean, yeah. it was a... Uh, I mean, that was one of the best nights in my career, that. that I mean, I don't know about amp memories and atmosphere. It's, uh, it would take some doing that. They, you know, you don't, that's what you're in football for, really, to, to give fans an opportunity to remember for the rest of their lives. And that's how I felt getting to Wembley was for the, for the Green Army. Did, is that why it was such a special memory for you? Because it was such a bizarre situation in the fact that, you know, you're the manager and you're in the terrace with all the fans going absolutely mental when the winning goal goes in. And then the final whistle goes. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, you can't explain it. It's. Um, you, it's just a feeling that you. You just know. 
that's why you're in the game. It, it's over the years people have asked me why you're in the game, and there is a lot of bad stuff for managers to put up with now. But you know, when the whistle goes at the end of a game that you've won, and you know your fans are going to go home happy. In this particular case, it was a build-up of a season that started disastrously. Um, you know, working for Dan McCauley wasn't an easy uh, an easy way to do it. And then to get to, you know, to be able to take him to Wembley, it was like a reward. And, and win or lose at Wembley, it was going to be an occasion for the fans. And uh, they'd not had a lot to shout about over the years, you know. So I, it was just, a, I knew it was such an important uh, result that night. And going to Wembley, it was one of those with the last person out of Plymouth, please turn the lights off. I mean, when one end of Wembley was absolutely packed that day. I mean, <laughs> your memories of that game, Neil, and that day? Um, I think just two or three memories that that day really. I think before the game, all the green and you know the green and white army um, turning up, mate. The volume was unbelievable. The goal we scored was a set piece which we'd worked on, which was really pleasing for me. And you know a short corner which you know were clipped in and Ronnie Morgier's header. So that was a fantastic. Um, to, to score a, a, to win a game like a, such an important game with a, something you worked on the training ground um, the journey home I remember on the pitch uh, Dan my chairman you know I remember Dan um, I, I got on well with him I liked Dan I, just, I remember putting my arm around him we'd, we'd already had a fallout before that and I put my arm around him and on the Wembley pitch he had that big stupid hat on, <laughs> um, on the hat on the pitch <laughs> And I remember putting my arm around him and saying, Dan, look at it. Look around now. Look at the fans. Look at what we've done. You've got to let me just get on with this. I said, this, the club could go miles further than this. If you just trust me and get on with it. Um, you know, I know, I know. And, and off we went. And then the, the journey home, the, the green and white scarves down the motorways, it was just amazing. The next day, you know, going into the Civic Hall and, and seeing everything, it was it was. Things, scenes which I'd never think we'd, I didn't think we'd ever see down here. So I've got great memories. And then it ruined, 24 hours later, I get a phone call from Rick Cowdery saying, uh, would you like to comment on the chairman is threatening to sue the players if they don't return the shirts. Um, and I was on my way to Scotland and I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> Peace had lasted twenty four hours. <laughs> so no, it was disappointing. I did feel I did feel the club was geared to go forward then for the squad and everything, but it wasn't to be. Uh, but it was a tremendous occasion. Uh, you know, I can't tell you. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Uh, some fantastic stories there from Neil in the first part of the, the show. Um, we, we ended with um, discussing Wembley, Neil. And you, you said that you feel that you could have taken Argyle a lot further. So how disappointing was it for you when you got the call from Dan to say you, you were sacked? Um, well, it, well, it wasn't out of the... I didn't get it from Dan. I got it from Roger. I can't remember his name. Roger Matthews. Roger Matthews, who, you know, um, how can I say it? Uh, it's a long time ago now, isn't it? I always thought that if you employ somebody, you tell them to the face. You know, to get a phone call after what we'd been through, what we'd done, um, from a chief exec who didn't really know much about football, it was disappointing for me to finish like that. But um, that's how it went. I owed a lot to Dan. Um, I was very happy down here. He brought me down here, and I got on really well with him and his wife. Um, it was just how it was. You know, it was, he, he thought he could run 
the club like he did Rotolock and, and it, it's not football's not like that. It's such a different business to be in. Um, uh, but we had some good times, and I remember the happy times. I don't just think about um, you know him uh, him letting me go was one of the best things that could have happened to me really because I've always gone on and done things and and I've always you know tried to sort of show people they were wrong when I've got when I've got the sack as a player or a manager and and you don't you don't let it yes you're down you're disappointed for a for a few months but you, you just get up you get kicked in the teeth all the time in football get up and get on with it and you know to hell with it I always looked at it and I mean I think I think um, when we left Notts County we took them up to two divisions and turned down Sunderland to stay with them, then got the sack. <laughs> and uh, I remember me and Mick Jones called the local press out and bought the champagne and we toasted it, getting the sack. Cause that's, uh, and that's how I feel at times, you know, all right, it's disappointing, but let's get on. And, you know, I, I always think, well, let's see where they go now. Let's see, you know, what they do, if they do any better without me. And, uh, you know, not many clubs have done better without me, so... You know, it's, uh, it was a disappointment at the time, but you move on. How, how easy or hard is it to pick up your life and just move on, though? Because uh, do you get used to that pretty quickly? You have to do, yeah. Because football is like that. It, you know, it's a rat race as well, isn't it? So mm. you, you just have to all the disappointments you have to put to one side. Um, you know, and, and and that's it's all you can do. Just put them to one side. Uh, as you say, we've had loads of uh, questions from readers. Bevis Robbins, what was it like working with Dan McCauley? Uh, I think I've answered that. <laughs> um, listen, he brought me to the club, and Sharon and I will always, always be grateful for that. Um, as I've said, uh, Anne got on well. You know, we, we went all over. I mean, in those days, Sharon and Anne used to come on the, on, you know, onto the games away from home, and it was great. I, I, had, I had super time. It's just he changed. I think a lot of chairmen what they don't, what they don't understand is the local fans want the manager to speak they want to listen to the manager not the chairman and I think a lot of chairmen not, and I'm just saying Dan a lot of chairmen I've dealt with you know they, they, they do they get a little bit jealous that you're in the limelight all the time talking and not them and and, uh, and, and that's where it becomes a little bit difficult for managers to deal with but you know it's one of those things yes I had difficult times with Dan but I remember the good times with him we had some great times you know I remember going to watch Barry White in concert with him and me and him jumping up and things like that, you know. It's, um, it, it, it was all right. It, it was difficult because it, it, football is a different game to, to business. And, uh, you know, I'm sure over the years he, he learnt a lot. Lee Newson's asked, who was the hardest working pro at the club? Um, to be fair, there were, there were a lot of hard working lads. When you look round at the, at the team, you know, uh, Chopsy in midfield, uh, was always working hard in up and down led better they had legs galore um, uh, Mick Heathcote at the back just did enough he wasn't you know hard working depends on what you said uh, he, he was a hard working lad but only in his area you know and uh, and then you, you got you, you, you Ronnie Morges who box to box um, and, and Mickey Evans turned the season round for us when we put him in at, uh, he hadn't played a game, I don't think, before we put him in at Bury. So there, there was a lot of a lot of hard working lads, uh, and I don't think it was. I think our success was made because there wasn't a star in our team. They, they were all hard working, and the, I think the team ethic got us where we wanted to be. Again, that's very similar to, to today, isn't it? There's, there seems yeah. to be, it's very much a team. It's not one standout player. I, I think so. When I watched it, I, when I looked at it, I thought, 
the balance is good, mm. they're, they're looking after each other. Mm. Um, like I say, I, I think you've got to have more, you know, more than one string to a bow. And I thought there were times in the Swindon game, they, they, they probably should have changed a little bit to get the result. But you know, you've got to, you've got to say, look, if you believe in your philosophy mm. uh, and you continue, then then you've got to do it that way. Um, but uh, I was disappointed in the result. But the way that they played, I thought, you know, you know, that's what people want to see now. You know, you've managed at the highest level, and you've managed players like Martin Barr and, and Chris Ledbetter and teams that won promotion in effectively the fourth division. Do you have to have a different management style to deal with Premier League players compared to with the likes of the lower league players, or is it the same principle that you try and get across to all all players? You know, there's there's yeah. a difference in ability between the players that you work with. Yeah, I think I think the I think the, even in the Premier League in my early Premier League days, I never I didn't change. It was only in the latter ones, probably when I went back to Crystal Palace, uh, a little bit at QPR. Um, it's a different type of player now. You know, the the, the agents, the money, the, and the money financially now. I mean, it's ridiculous. So in the past, where you could find a player and for and for discipline, etc. Now very difficult now with with the money that they're on etc to have that you, you know you've got players if you have a disagreement going to their agents and their agents go to the press and it's a minefield now right. so it's, it's changed completely now I don't envy that I don't enjoy that if right. I'm honest yeah. I've always enjoyed the championship the, uh, more than the Premier League only because it's that you, you know what you're getting in that league absolutely Ben Robinson says in the internet video you say you want to beat Plymouth so much why was it so important to you to come back and beat Argyle? Well, no, I mean, I will have said that because the team I was playing or managing for, I always wanted us to beat everybody. And Plymouth was a special part. And yes, I, I, when coming back home here, all my mates around, you know, all neighbours. And <laughs> I remember David Jasper, one of my neighbours, coming, you know, and giving me some steak. And I said, you know, we're going to beat you. And uh, so I always tried hard to be, but it was, uh, you know, it never, never took away from the fact how much I loved Plymouth. I think it was a special part of my life. So, um, you know, it's, uh, that, that was the reason. It was just cause, uh, professional, really. You've got yeah. to try and win the game you want to be. And were you happy to do the Warts and All documentaries and allow cameras into the changing rooms? There are some quite famous footage, footage of you in changing rooms. And <laughs> I know fans love them up and down the country. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did it in the right way. The one I did, the, the last one I did, um, I did everything without cutting anything. I was myself, but I trusted the cameraman and, and the people that were doing it. I trusted them 100%. And I said to them, the only way we can get a good one, true one, is for us to have a relationship and you have to I can't be putting anything on after that I don't want to put on but it'll be good enough for you because I want to be myself and they agreed to that and and we did that and it was it was pretty amazing that I mean there were some of the earlier things in the dressing room with me my daughter Amy was at Plymouth College and said they used it now and then for motivation <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did ask her if, you, if they bleep things but, um, I think she said no um, but um, you know Plymouth College and other places have got a special part you know the kids are really enjoyed I think I think you um, you know coming giving them that the, the, the grounding is it, it, really good for the kids in this area 
to to um, to get the grounding that I've got, and uh, you know I enjoyed that. Probably one of my I used to do I do a lot of dinners and spoke speak. And do you know one of the nervous times I've ever done is I went to speak to the under eighteen, the A level students at Plymouth College, and you know it, it's such a different to what you used to. Yeah. Uh, and I was I thought I remember thinking why am I nervous? <laughs> you know, but it's um, I do enjoy go, you know talking about my past and, and some of the stories. Uh, and school-wise as well, you know, because I told them all the warts about my childhood, school and, uh, you know, smoking in the dressing in the, in the toilets and, uh, <laughs> when I was 13 for a year. I don't know why I did that, but anyhow. I'm sure I will be in touch, Neil, because with that new conference and hospitality centre, and they're going to be looking to have guest speakers and things like that, so yeah. I'm sure that would be a good... A good occasion. I'd like to certainly go along to that one. That's for sure. Absolutely. I think Jack hit the nail on the head there. That the documentary is on YouTube and what have you. Uh, they're fascinating viewing. Um, the last club you were at, Neil, was was obviously Cardiff. How difficult were the last few months there, especially w with what happened with uh, the the tragedy with Emiliano Sala? Yeah, I mean, it was it was um, it's probably the uh, the worst period in my career. That, that, and that's you know, it's gone a long time. The career, I think, forty years now. Is it fifty years? I keep forgetting. Years, <laughs> it might be nearer fifty. Yeah, I think it is <laughs> right. <laughs> or is it fifty with playing? I don't know. No, fifty managing, isn't it? Oh my goodness. So you know, it's um, it was it was a, one of the most difficult periods because you don't expect anything like that. You know, you don't plan. You can't have any guidance or coaching or anything like that. And you know, it was a really traumatic period, um, which. I, you know, it, it's, I don't think you'll ever really forget that. You know, I mean, it's still an ongoing situation now as well, isn't that? So that was difficult, but fans were amazing. I, I mean, I, the fans, when I went to the club, it was really fractured. It, it, the, the, it was all split up. There was, you know, all sorts of things. And the, 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 um, they'd been changing colours, the shirts, reds, and all sorts of things. And they looked like getting relegated. And to go in there and change it and get the success... Um, was amazing for me, and that I couldn't have done that without the fans. The fans were absolutely amazing from day one. Um, I wanted to give them something to cheer about, and and we did that. And then to get promotion really with the squad we had was probably the best achievement of my whole career, really. And uh, and now the, you know the steady. I always I always said when um, uh, that I would leave once the you know if there's some of the fans and. We were a minority then, just getting a, you know itchy feet, and everybody wants utopia. Um, yeah. You sometimes forget where you come from, really, and um, and so I thought it was the right time. And, and now they've got a new manager, and uh, hopefully they could they'll, they'll build on that in the next couple of years now. And uh, but it's it was a fabulous club. I had the best. I had the best. Talk about chairman. I had Mehmet Dalman as a chairman, and without him, I couldn't have done it. It was he was a, he was amazing, him, and uh, I'll always be in his debt. And uh, gratitude because he him and, and the crowd I'll never forget the, the na I mean the Welsh anthem mm -hmm. national anthem when they stand and sing it yes, the hairs on the yeah, back yeah. of your neck yeah. hey, I've never I have never heard anything like <coughs> it so you know great and I'm glad that I put that back into them and made it a club again so it's uh, one of the most pleasing things in my life absolutely well one final thing uh, Neil we like to do a little bit of a fun quiz so if you're up for it we'll give you the 20 questions quiz oh okay Yorkshire or Cornwall uh, Cornwall. Cornish pasty or greasy chip butty? Um, I like a greasy chip butty. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking like a true Yorkshireman. <laughs> a gallon of magnet or packet of woodbines? Uh, neither. <laughs> I don't drink beer and I don't smoke. <laughs> and 
But you did a 13 though. A 13, yeah. <laughs> it would have been park drive actually. I didn't have a good mind. Okay, Carragher or Neville? Uh, Neville. Red or green? Oh, I'm a red man really. I'd have to say green sat in these Home park or Bramall Lane? That's difficult. Man. I can't. Get, I can't. Team, I can't yeah. see yeah. on the fence. I mean, yeah. I'm a Sheffield United yeah, fan. That's allowed. That's allowed. Up as champions or through the playoffs? Oh, through the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, champions is great, mm-hmm. but when you've got success, I've had three playoff finals. Or is it four? I can't remember. <laughs> but I've had three or four playoff finals, and at Wembley, yeah. and they've been amazing because the fans never forget it. They never forget that. I get fans coming up now. And, you know, they grow up now. They said, "I was there in '95, whatever it was." Uh, on the, you know, and, and it's something that t- you take with you for the rest of your life. It's fabulous. Absolutely. Owls or eagles? Owls or eagles? Owls or eagles? Where do owls come in? Sheffield Wednesday oh or Palace? <laughs> you don't say things like that. <laughs> That's a swear word to you. Yeah. yeah. Eagle. <laughs> Playing or managing? Uh, managing. Arm around the shoulder or hair dryer treatment? Arm around the shoulder. VAR or no VAR? VAR for definite, but with the different people running it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? I think they're on a par them too. I don't think I'd, I'd sit on the fence with that. I love watching Messi. Uh, he's like poetry. I love him, but the finishing of Ronaldo, the, the maestro, the bull, he's like a bullfighter, isn't he? A, a, a matador. I, I love watching both of them. Chris Billy or Ronnie Moje? Chris Billy or Ronnie Moje? Chris Billy, when he bent down and scored the winning, winning goal for me um, at Huddersfield. <laughs> Ronnie Moje when he scored the winning goal went by me at Plymouth. Yeah. Simon Jordan or Vincent Tan? Well, Simon Jordan's the best, I think, if not the best owner I've ever, ever managed, so I'd have to say Simon in that respect. Wenger's Arsenal or Pep's Man City? Well, Pep's Man City, I've never seen anything like it. Stood on the tide line, I have never seen football like it now. If they had Van Dijk, they'd be winning the league now. Um, I think they're an amazing side. Of it. I mean, you don't want to play against them. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I remember at three nil, nil nil after half an hour, thinking we're doing well here at Cardiff, and three nil down ten minutes later, and I, even me under my breath was saying, "What a goal!" <laughs> <laughs> find the wife for disgraceful comments, or find a player for missing training. Uh, training, missing training. Mike Riley or Joe Riley? Mother Riley. <laughs> than either of them. FA Cup replays or extra time and penalties? I think it's going to have to come to extra time and penalties soon. But I, I, I want replays for the lower division. Mm. I think when a cup's drawn, it should be drawn and the lesser side should have the right of playing at home. That's where I would like. If it's a lower division side, they should have a right of playing at home if they want. And then it goes to extra time and penalties? Yeah. or. Listen to Barbara Streisand or watch Downton Abbey. Barbara Streisand live. <laughs> oh, New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you fill up my senses or you fill up my wine glass? You fill up my senses. <laughs> well, there we go. Brilliant. Neil, thanks ever so much for coming on the show. It's an absolute pleasure. No problem. Thank, Thank you very much for sparing time. It is Yeah, absolutely. So when can we expect to see you back in the, uh, in the dugout? Um, who knows it could be weeks I could never I mean if I don't get something in the next two or three weeks I'd probably just call it a day and uh, I'm looking forward to um, 
to um, relaxing. Uh, I've got one or two things now with Sharon, and we, we're we're enjoying it at the moment. Mm. So I'm not really missing it. The first few weeks were really dis- you know difficult, but not now. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Neil, Chris, Jack. Thanks for joining me, and thanks to you out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Bye bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.